Stephanie. And I'm Summer. And you're listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, Broken People. Today we have Eric J. Gates. He's an artist and a mental health advocate. But before we go into the interview with him, Stephanie and I wanted to go over some things with the listeners. We get a lot of feedback from listeners, but we recently got a message asking us if we provide mental health referrals for healthcare. Stephanie and I are not healthcare providers. We are not qualified to do that. <laughs> and so, no, we no, do not. we're big supporters. Yes, we do encourage you to get mental health to take make use of referral lines that are out there um i know oklahoma has the 211 resource line where you can call and get referrals i believe every state has a line like that so reach out and find help but a podcast or a facebook page is probably not your best go to on that but there are um there are all these apps popping up where you can text with licensed therapists and things like that which i find interesting i haven't utilized one yet but make sure whoever your provider is is that a licensed healthcare provider don't don't just yeah. seek out strangers on the internet don't just seek out strangers on the internet don't assume that um your pastor or don't don't assume that they have had education in order to help them estimate somebody's need so right if you're if you're if you're needing counseling you need somebody who has clinical training and knowledge and my therapist um she actually recommends you know don't just look at their diploma or whatever they say their credentials are actually go online to whatever the licensing board is in your state and check and make sure their license is valid and that they Uh are active because there are cases where people set themselves out as therapists who have no training Uh and they can do a lot of harm so but we wanted to talk about self-care today. This was a, um, a topic I've been discussing with Summer quite a bit because we often hear from people that are um, friends or in the community who are in crisis. And the reality is, is that everybody in life is going to deal with crisis situations. And so we want to talk about ways to navigate them successfully. Okay, so what do you want to start with? Well, I actually sat down. Can you believe me? I, I prepared myself today. Of and course I you did. You always do. She's like hyper organized and obsessively <laughs> prepared always. Well, I'm winging it and you can tell. Normally winging it, but you know. Um, I think. I think first thing about self-care is you need to build your network and Eric talks about this some in the interview as well it's very important to get a support system in place and if yeah. you don't already have one you know evaluate your support system and if you don't have a strong one you don't have supportive people around you people who can reach out when they're te- when they can tell something is wrong or you're not doing so well or you're struggling you need uh-huh. to start building one put concerted yeah. effort into building one that's number one community is the most important and part it cannot of self-care. Be, yes, and it cannot be one or two or, or even three people. No, it needs to be um, an entire uh, network. It's a community. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, I think it would be great for us to, to talk a little bit about a, about a support system. And if you don't have a support system, ways to, to go about about building 
someone. Okay, so, I, I think that's good because a lot of times when we hear this phrase self, self-care, there's entire articles and listicles written about it and they're talking about bubble baths and things like that, which are great if you need to relax or what in de-stress or whatever, those things are great. But that is not at all the, bi- the be-all or end-all of, of self-care and I think that your support uh-huh. system is your primary defense in uh-huh. all of this. Uh-huh. Yes. So and- how do you build a support system? Well, you know, you, you get out into your community. Let's say, for example, you have somebody who enjoys running, you know, versus simply running alone. They might look and see if there is a group of people that runs or they may even get involved into the running community. Um, somebody who is, is participating in, you know, 1Ks or 5Ks or, or 10Ks, whatever it might be. So looking at your personal interests and getting out into the community and meeting other people who share some of those same interests is one way that I recommend people um, broaden their support system. And build relationships with them. Not It's not enough to just go run the 5K with them. You need oh, to have an actual relationship. Well, I see that, that that's one thing that I've talked about a lot in mental health right now is because in more recent generations, you know, we talk about the millennials a lot and I'm, a, I'm an older millennial, um, uh-huh. is that we, because of the way our, you know, the way our generation has been raised and we tend, we tend to have more superficial relationships and so a lot of us don't even know how to create those relationships and you kind of need to learn and Mm -hmm. again therapy uh Well, and people isolate a lot in today's society. You know, think of, you know, grandparents and how communities were smaller. You were more likely to know the people within the community. When you get into urban areas, that can that can change profoundly, you know, where where people don't know don't know their their neighbors whatsoever. Not that that's necessarily necessary. I don't know my neighbors. Yes. No idea. (laughs) Um, I don't know their names. I don't know what they do. (laughs) I could have Ted Bundy reincarnated next door no idea well you know I live in a, a multi-generational home I actually live in a duplex with my mom and I, I wouldn't know my neighbors whatsoever if it weren't for for my mother being being overtly friendly so we well I think it's I think it's easier for those of us who grew up with more extended family and same community, you know, in a, in a uh-huh. tighter community, I think it's easier for us to develop relationships because you have had to do that. You've had more different types of relationships and different types uh-huh. of people. But I think uh-huh. it's harder for people who've been, you know, in a smaller group. You know, families are smaller uh-huh. now. They tend to be nuclear families. And yes. we tend to <laughs> have, at least in our generation, is when they started um, being overprotective, even though the statistics didn't bear out the, the fear there was you know the safeguard the kids and lock them away and don't let them yes. <laughs> get out in the community media. or yes. anything like that and so I think right. that's kind of, I think all of that plays in and how we have this anxiety about people and you know getting uh-huh. to know people and so people and so, being afraid of their kids walking to the park or walking right. home from school right. um, and it's 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 utterly absurd especially when when you know if there's no busing available um you know because because the kid lives half a mile from the school you know and, right. and this has led to people not wanting to to know their neighbors because let's face it there there are busy bodies as well I don't want to so. know my neighbors I don't want them in my business <laughs> Yeah. I create I create my support system at least a few miles out. Right? Right. So um you know, it, it makes sense. So, you know, thinking think about things 
like church if people go to Uh church that's a good place to learn and build your community or synagogue or you know Uh mosque or where you know whatever community Uh right absolutely and you know if you have children getting your kids involved in the community can sometimes lead to to meeting people as well so but i want to talk a little bit more about what typically leads to people seeking referrals for for mental health which would be be a crisis situation so i want to talk about some of the coping mechanisms and and things that can um be helpful you know if you have dealt with um you know any plethora or number of things you know let's talk about you know you and i have talked often about therapy how we think it would be helpful for someone to touch base with a therapist twice a year on the best of year to evaluate what their goals are, what their needs are, and how they're going to meet them so that they have that person available for when a crisis situation comes. But what are some of the ways to meet people's needs within a crisis situation? Um, I know that I received a lot of help and support from from my community. My sister came over, for example, and I needed to, to leave because there had been a death in the family, and I just, I couldn't for the life of me pack a suitcase I just I I wasn't really capable of of doing it and you know oftentimes when there has been a death you know people will say what do you need I don't know what the hell I needed Um, (laughs) I have literally like uh, when I had my grandfather was dying and I couldn't think uh you know I literally called my friend she's like my sister I called her and I said I have to go to the hospital I have to plan to stay there for at least a few days because if he dies Uh I've also got the funeral Uh tell me what I need (laughs) Because I couldn't think, I couldn't process. And she and her daughter had been shot several years ago. And so she spent Uh a lot of time in the hospital Uh and doing those trips. So I'm like, I can't think. I just need you to tell me and I'm going to do exactly what you say. Yeah. (laughs) Because I couldn't get anybody here. But the phone was was a lifesaver that day because she she walked me through it and I made it out there. Yes. And having, being, feeling comfortable with reaching out in, in that type of situation is, is priceless. And, you know, everybody goes through crisis, you know, even if you feel like your support system isn't fleshed out well enough to do that, I think that it's entirely understandable. You know, people would, would make sure, you know, and, and look at, look at for yourself. Are you eating? Are you sleeping? You know, these, these are things that, that we need to, to think about, you know, and, and what are, are some of the measures that indicate for, for us that you're, you're in a healthy state? I know for me, one of the first thing that flies out the window, if I'm not happy, I don't cook. So, you know, I'm, I'm aware of that. My family's aware of that. And I kind of leave that as a good, um, measuring rod, if you will, for, for how things are, are going for me. Because if I'm not, if I'm not able to put those good feelings into my food, I just, I just don't do it. The measure of how I'm doing is the state of my bedroom, uh-huh. because that's where I live. Like the rest of the house belongs to the children for the most part. Uh-huh. My uh-huh. room is where I live. So if there is just stuff piling up in my room, I mean, of course it's always cluttered because I'm an artist and that's just how my brain works. I can't, right. I can't right. live with everything perfectly lined out. But right. like if I start piling stuff up in the floor, cause that drives me crazy. If there's stuff, uh-huh. if there's a mountain of stuff <laughs> starting you to know. form beside my bed, <laughs> 
Yeah, that means Summer's really depressed and not functioning well. Mm-hmm, you're getting overwhelmed. Right, mm-hmm. and so people, yeah, and I've had friends who had noticed that, and they would, when they'd come over and they'd see it, they were like, are you okay? And so that's really mm-hmm. helpful. Start paying attention to the people you love and that you care about, uh-huh. and they'll start yeah. having these tells. And when you see it, don't ignore it. Reach out, you know. Right, and absolutely. Well, of course, when they I... say, are you okay, it's always, the answer is always yes. <laughs> Don't ask if you're okay. Just see what you can do to help them. more open-ended question how are things going for you right now versus are you okay because everybody's gonna say yes I'm okay because you know you're you're alive and you're walking around but that's not necessarily and you're trying to avoid that conversation because who wants to have it yes and be sensitive about where you are having where you're having these types of conversations too so you know for the, the longest time when people would ask me how I was doing I would just burst into tears when they asked because right. I wasn't doing well. Right. Um, we had three deaths back to back. If I could run on autopilot, I, I was fine. But the reality was, it was it was really tough there for for a while. And so be sensitive about where you're asking those questions too. Right, and that's why my answer is always I'm fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> because uh-huh. if I don't, because if I start having that conversation, I might fall apart. And if I fall apart, I can't function. Uh-huh. And I've got all these children who count on me, and I've got these jobs, and I've got all these things that I have to do. Uh-huh. I don't have time to fall apart so that's why I say just you know when it comes to me don't ask me if I'm okay just recognize I'm not okay Uh, and you know you're either gonna help or you're not yeah well you know and and speaking as you know dear friend and and a sister so you know when when I notice you're not so okay I'm gonna my goal is to see how we can you know get out and go do something oh that yeah um, that's what I I I have to have people drag me out of the house because I'll stay, yeah. I'll stay in here. Um, at one point, mm-hmm. I know my parents. I didn't find out till later. A friend of the family actually came and told me. He's like, your parents are afraid you have a drinking problem. That's why they keep asking these questions. I'm like, well, why would they think I have a drinking problem? And they said, well, the kids keep saying that you're sleeping a lot more than normal. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. ha- and you have a bottle of vodka in your closet. And I'm like, well, yeah, I have a bottle of vodka in the closet. That's the only you shelf. You have kids. Right. I'm like, that's the only shelf high enough that the kids can't get to it and that same bottle's been there for a long time because at the time I had a friend who was coming over and that was his favorite drink and then after he stopped coming over I didn't drink it very much because I'm at the age now where I can get a hangover just from staying up too late I don't need alcohol so um so I was like I'm just I'm I was sleeping a lot because I was depressed I wasn't alcohol Mm -hmm. but so nobody right is it sufficient or is it way too much that's a, a really good indicator of somebody's, you know, health in, True. in general. True, and but my point is, my point is, don't talk about it to each other if mm-hmm. you're not going to bother trying to reach out and see if somebody's okay. So, in short, take care of yourself, people. Build your support system. Seek out those mental health supports that you need and take care of yourself. So, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, we'll move on to Eric. All right. <laughs> Today we have Eric Gate, and he is. What are you? You're an artist. What all do you do? I I hate calling myself an artist. <laughs> like like I'm more of an expressionist. I I like to emote myself. You know, through photography, through poetry, through writing in general. I just I don't know. Like I tend to just like put my you know my wear my emotions on my sleeves. I guess. Okay, um, and you're a comedian too, right? Yeah, I do stand up comedy. I, I do activism. Um, you know, I I'm a mental health speaker. So like. 
like I do all of these things that are very projection oriented, okay. right? Where where I'm I'm pushing out or I'm giving in something, um, and that's the way that I'm trying to kind of embody my life and 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 make the entity of Eric is very you know giving and caring and loving and free and open because my part of my story is that mm-hmm. I was not like that in the beginning. Okay. Like 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 I started off very shut in and very closed and hurt t- towards people. Like I wanted to project pain on the world, right? Like okay. misery loves company. Right. Um, and so yeah, I did I did a lot of that projecting, and so the the rebranding I guess of Eric <laughs> J Gates is this you know compassionate, loving, giving spirit, and that is through my own kind of idea of expression, I guess. <laughs> so interesting, you are the first man brave enough to come on this podcast. So far, we've only had women willing to interview yeah. for us. So <laughs> That's you're, all you're right. Our first guy for everybody taking bets out there. <laughs> there was a pool going on that in order to find a man who would actually talk on the podcast, I'd end up having to have sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. Nice. So you got, I win, you lose. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so t- you said you're an activist. Tell us, what do you do? Um, so I mentioned I was a mental health speaker before. Right. Uh, there's an organization called NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They're uh, a grassroots organization. I try not, I try not to talk about them too much because I don't want to fully represent them, right? Like they are their own entity, but I do speak and do training on behalf of them. But before that, I was... Well, let me go back because I need to go into my story to like tell this thing. And this is, all right. So um, I I grew up in a small town in Wyoming, very like rural, like cowboy, very Christian, conservative, right? And I, my mind did not always agree with the things that I was seeing and I was doing and I was around. Uh, I experienced a lot of trauma as a kid. I was bullied. I was sexually molested. So I wanted to leave that environment. So Mm -hmm. I joined the Air Force. When I joined the Air Force around that time, you know, I I, like, uh, well, I was about 21 ish 20 when I discovered alcohol right okay. and like alcohol took away all that sort of <laughs> right. self-loathing and just the shit that was going on inside of me and so I loved it and it worked for a while like alcohol helped me cope for right. a long time but then it didn't mm-hmm. and that's when life began to turn I mean I became a very seething hurtful like I I, I would cause fights with my ex-wife just to have an excuse to drink okay. right and it all sort of culminated after two deployments to Afghanistan like like I experienced things in Afghanistan and just like all of this stuff was just like in my mind you know trauma from my childhood and all of this oh and I broke and like mm-hmm. like my ex like the way that I kind of realized that I was broken and that I needed to repair was she disappeared like one morning I woke up after a bender and she was gone and mm-hmm. I'm like fuck you know like I lost her all like right. you know like there's there's no she's gone there's nothing left I spent a good hour like trying to call her like you know like like probably like you know the crazy ex right like the 97 <laughs> messages and right. you know it was it was ridiculous but in that moment i realized like no something's got to change and that something is me right that nothing else is the problem i have the problem i need to fix it the the funny part about that story is that she was actually at a garage sale so like oh. she was out garage sailing and she had the phone and the car and she didn't care you know she didn't right. think about it they hadn't left and i have a so you you were panicking yeah. and it wasn't even what you thought mm-hmm. it was but it's still stuck right that's it's still good. Made, yeah because i in that moment i was so desperate i was so lost and i knew that 
I needed to get out. So mm-hmm. uh, May 9th, 2012, the couple days after that moment, I went to uh, rehab in Wichita Falls, Texas. Little, It was called the Military Heroes Unit. And it, it really, that's where it kind of first pushed me into compassion and, and sort of like care work is, you know, these people who, who were dealing with a lot of different disorders and a lot of different things on this one unit were having, you know, wonderful, compassionate, caring, loving conversations with people and trying to help them. True compassion, right? Where some of the staff would get hit but still mm-hmm. love a person right. beyond you know being physically assaulted just blew my mind and then in uh, I started off in AA and NA and listening to these people and them talk about service work that is one of the number one tenets of uh, and I shouldn't be talking about this because <laughs> anonymity is the whatever press radio and film blah 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 if there's any AA heads out here you're probably fucking yelling at me right now I'm sorry <laughs> but no like they they taught me this giving right this right. this reaping and sowing like give to get kind of thing and and it for me, it was like emotional support, love, and affirmation. When I gave that to people, I started getting it. That then led me down the path to working for the state, Oklahoma Department of Mental Health Services, or ODMHSAS. I never. It's a it's, long it's, it's, a, it's one of the longest ones, right? Like you've got the Op- o- Department of Health, like you've got the easy ones, ODMHSAS, Substance Abuse Services. There we go. Lord. <laughs> they make it so difficult. Yeah, right? And it's like, like people with mental illness, you know, like who aren't in the most mental state. Yeah. like going to ODMHSAS, right? Yeah, like, you're not going to get it. No, not at all. Never. No. <laughs> but uh, I started off there at the crisis recovery, Oklahoma crisis recovery unit on 13th and Lottie, if you know where that is. I do. Um, in that, I was one of the caretakers, right? Like I was one of the people that uh, they, you know, the people were violent and sometimes mm-hmm. do, you know, not because they wanted to be, but right. because of a, their disorder, whatever was, whatever was ailing them was causing that. It was a symptom, you know, violence mm-hmm. is to, to typically symptoms of mental illness. It's not even meant sometimes, right? right? Like like sometimes people can be in a sort of animalistic state. I got bit oh. at the crisis center. Yeah, because this guy was, uh, he had, uh, what happened? It doesn't matter. I No, he was in a psychotic episode due okay. to, um, what's the drug that people are smoking? It's like marijuana, but like it's the, sprouted with like chemicals. Like K2. 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 He'd, he'd done K2 and oh, got a bad batch. Some, yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, he was very primal right mm-hmm. like 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 almost like what you would imagine like a caveman like like communication was very difficult with him yeah we were trying to physically restrain him because he was aggressive towards other clients right. and i was restraining him and he just dropped out of my arms and he bit me right there it was on fourth of july too it was, <laughs> yeah like and like for me as a person with ptsd like i was actually trying yeah. to hide from the fireworks right you're already the, elevated up yep. here on your anxiety yeah. levels yeah it was a it was an interesting case but no like working in that environment like taught me just love for people because of the struggle right and and so many people struggle and that's the one in four like that just resonates in my mind one in four people have some sort of mental health disorder that is insane to think about that you know 25 percent of the population at any time is suffering from something whether it be active psychosis whether it be major depressive depression there are there is a gambit of, of disorders that people struggle with. And so that, that statistic is diagnosable disorders, not, yeah. not just struggling yeah. with mental health, yeah. because yeah. that's a whole other yeah, huge absolutely. segment of the population mm-hmm. that we forget about. Yep. The, the, but just it's staggering to think about that and to know that there is so much pain in the world, right? And, and somebody who, like I said, I'm trying to use compassion as my worldview, I feel it now, right? Like I know mm-hmm. what an empath sort of like feels because I I feel the tension sometimes, yeah. right? Like I feel the struggle in somebody. Um, my friend, 
um, was having a bad night and uh, instead of a photographer and she was having a bad night and uh, we did a little mini photo session after she was done uh, singing and like like one of the best pictures that came out of it was one that I emoted her her emotions back like at her and you could just see like the the, the struggle in her face and it's a I blued the picture so that it really gives that moody deepness right mm -hmm. and like it's a I, it's a phenomenal picture I just did one the other night that was more of my projection of feelings onto her it's like photo actually she fades away in the photo like you can see where she disappears mm -hmm. and all the rest of the scenery is still there and I said everything fades right like and that's sort of my consciousness is that we're all fading into the nothing right into the void there I make the joke so we mentioned me being a comedian have you seen the movie Coco I have not okay fuck the movie Coco uh -oh. that is my joke because <laughs> no like like in the movie the basically the underlying do you want me to ruin it, Go ahead and ruin it, 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 it me. doesn't really ruin it and listeners I'm sorry if it kind of ruins it but but like the underlying message is that if you get forgotten in this life if people don't remember you here you fade off into the next like in the next oh. life you disappear completely right because you have no conscious tendrilled connection okay. to this world yeah so you cease to exist yeah it's it's a it's a well, that's kind, depressing and it's a kids movie like like it's powerful let me go take my Zola yeah now. right like like just the 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 you know the the nihilistic idea you know the or the, the existential idea I get nihilism is the the transverse of that sorry um I get confused a lot but no like the 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 existential idea that that we will cease to be at one point you know and like uh, I love comedy Louis C.K. said it best he said we're all just dead people who haven't died yet like 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 like, like the span of existence it's true but yeah. it's so depressing yeah it, it, oh it fucks with you right but here's Okay, so so I'm just gonna put some vodka in this. <laughs> <laughs> no, go right ahead, right? Uh, uh, but. Albert Camus kind of countered that in the myth of Sisyphus when you know he said imagine Sisyphus smiling like even though the struggle happens even though that we continue to see the bleakness and the darkness that is to come it's still worth it it's still worth it in this moment to be here and that philosophy has saved my life completely mm -hmm. like I started studying Stoicism and uh, Marcus Aurelius just like all of these different philosophers and the, these different thoughts and ideas right people have been grappling with this thought forever right. right and that is what basically philosophy is is like contemplating the beyond the existence that we you know maintain searching for meaning yeah yeah absolutely i love the way that philosophy can can change a perspective can change somebody's outlook and just give them clarity in life uh one of my favorites is he's kind of a little unknown one his name is uh diogenes the cynic have you ever heard of him no okay so cynicism is kind of an offshoot of stoicism like to summarize it Diogenes is this character, like he's very like disassociated from like normal culture. Like uh, at one point he would masturbate in public and he would eat and pee and just do whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and um, like he just like, like he, they called him the dog because he would just act very primal and very animalistic, but it was actually sort of a, a, a caricature of the true nature of man, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're effectively monkeys right like 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 i'm a hairy person because <laughs> i have animal characteristics right? right like i have body hair i'd use the joke that women shave their bodies to not look like monkeys right like most women are naturally hairy like mm -hmm. we just we have conditioned ourselves victorian age like oh you got to look pretty <laughs> you know you got to be spick and span and it, it it boggles my mind when when we don't look at the natural beauty of something um yeah like just that that he was showing that that this is our trueness this is who we are but 
he had a mind too. Um, fuck, I'm. I'm all it's right. Okay. Let's go on to something else. Cause, <laughs> let's move on. No, and okay, let's. So finish the. What's the joke about fuck Coco? Oh, we so co yeah, fuck, fuck the movie Coco. So like, no, this this movie screws with your mind, and like, I contemplate it a lot to think, you know, to think about the fact that 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 I want to be remembered. So even before, well, I saw the movie before I became a photographer, but now okay. like I'm really like in this like on my portfolio, it's it says capture time, witness existence. Like just this idea that that I want to bring about reality, you know, for for myself as well as others. I want to make sure that their time and their energy and their essence is being recorded and reported because that's what we're going to right. Like mm -hmm. there's a reason that we have digital phone books, right. you know, and like all of this technology and everything is because people call it the singularity, right? When our consciousness will be uploaded probably onto the internet somehow, right? Like whether it's a version, and that's 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 far beyond. That's you know like twenty. 2200 yeah like that's beyond what we can see and feel but it's it's got to be coming right and that's i like that idea kind of like okay. like just that i could be uploaded to the internet but then the, the i make a joke about like have you ever played the game fallout no okay. i watched my son play okay it. so yeah fallout very post-apocalyptic but what if we're already in the future and we're just reliving our past memories but we're a circuit board on a dying computer in the apocalypse well then i I want them to give me some better fucking memories. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> you can make that happen. You can make my day happy. Like, why are you doing this? No, that's cool. It's, uh, no, like, yeah, like... <laughs> Like, like if we're, and so if we are arbiters or controllers of our own destiny, like, why do I feel so sad in bed sometimes, <laughs> right. right? Like, like, do you want me to suffer, computer yes. chip? No. And that's, I think they that, do. <laughs> that's the joke is, you know, just that my mind goes to these places and that, 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 that it's a possibility, right? It could be possible. I, I'm wearing, I love this shirt. Oh, I'm so glad I, I do wore like this shirt. Us, yes. So uh, <laughs> I'm wearing, for people that are listening, I'm wearing a shirt. It's got two cats in a box and it says wanted, dead or alive, Schrodinger cat. And, and. And the, the thought experiment is that, you know, that duality of life, that, that, that nothing is certain until it's here, until it's, you know, manifested, right? Like the moment that I'm about to get into does not exist until we get into it and experiencing existence with people and like, like just being able to like live in those moments. And that's why I love music because like you can get lost in sort of existence with somebody and you'll lose three hours of your night, right? Like, right. like all of a sudden it's been three hours and you're like, where, where am I? Like what happened? Right. right. And that's such a wonderful way to participate in life you know and and I, I absolutely love it but no okay uh there's the fuck coco so <laughs> like like it. just that that coco like screws with your mind and it's a kids movie it's a kids movie it, i find most kids movies are a little fucked up when you yeah. think about them well like disney started to go to okay, now we're going to talk about disney apparently like so this title will be like disney lo love hate relationship with disney <laughs> yeah yeah you know what like i i told you the other night like i'm a stand-up comedian the audience is going to hear this eventually so like like i make jokes about my dick right like most <laughs> yes. and most stand-up comics like like mo males you know cis comics talk about their dick and well, men are obsessed with their yeah dick. and right like it's a fascination right and that's like that's like the the proof that me, like the, like we're still animalistic is like we're sexual creatures like like the men sort of purpose on earth is to to make more things right like mm -hmm. we're supposed to be machines that's why like why women are so attracted like very sexy like strong masculine men because they can produce many 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 herds of people right and that's like the fucking insane part and hopefully about strong people so you're not have your babies die yeah exactly <laughs> right and that's like like the this prime specimen i am not the prime specimen <laughs> like i completely understand that i i am i am the thing that like if we were in a tribal community i would get thrown out and killed right like like, like they're like why are you thinking 
like, don't think, just stop that, thinking. Yeah, and actually, <laughs> like, like I gotta, I gotta come clean. That's not my sort of idea. It's actually uh, uh, this psychologist um, sort of like joke characterization of pre our evolution, right? Mm -hmm. But it's true that that we are still these animalistic beings, you know? right? And 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 that's why I think I enjoy sort of the native perspective, the native philosophy is that you know we are connected to the earth, right? The, mm -hmm. You know, the earth mother that 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 our our entirety comes from the soil, you know, that that we are dust and dirt. And that's uh going into more and more uh I forget his name now. Man, I I have these like moments <laughs> okay. where like like I'm so powerful and then like like I don't know how to do it. Uh, I don't know how to finish. Well, that's most of my life, right? It's just like, I can't finish. <laughs> You're not alone. A lot of men have that problem. <laughs> yeah, especially as I get older, right? Like, it's just, oh, Carl Sagan. There it is. Okay. So I need to make jokes in order to remember things. There it's you weird. Go. Uh, that's how I fill my time is by making fun of myself. But no, Carl Sagan said we are all stars, and that like I, I so I I blog too. I think I mentioned being a writer, and one of my first like blog posts was about connectedness, and and the opening line is something to the effect of Carl Sagan said it best when he said that we are all st star stuff, and that had stuck with me for so long that the same matter that's here is the same stuff that the sun provides its brilliant radiance, especially on today, right? Like, you know, like <laughs> Wait, the, so 100 yeah, degrees in yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, we're, we're all shining bright right now. That's, what else? What else can we talk about that's weird? I don't know. I'm fi I'm, I'm still focused on men being obsessed with their dicks. Yeah. No, no we are. We really I've been, are. I've been no. awake for three hours, but, and I've already had a dick pet sent to me today. Really? So I'm just no, okay. Like, my brain is like, really? What is up with you guys? So I why, wanna... are, why do men send unsolicited dick pics? You can know you what? answer this? No, I cannot answer this. So I have a joke about this, oh, okay? okay. Um, it's somehow the primate known as man has found a way to distinctly capture, magnify, and transmit a single photon of light energy so efficiently that said monkey man can take a grainy picture of his tiny phallus and send it to a stranger. <laughs> That's the pinnacle of existence, right? That we are at this point where some guy can take a really shitty camera phone and snap a, you know, just blurry picture of his dick and be like, you want to see that? Right? That's fucking just obscure to me. Like, I I do not send dick pics. Mostly because I'm embarrassed of my penis, right? Like, like, like it is very masculine to, you know, oh, you got to have a big hulking, like, throbby dick. And I don't have a big hulking, throbby dick. I, I have a dick that looks like a mushroom lost in a forest, right? Well, most guys who think they do, do not. Okay, well, uh, I don't want to prove it to you, but like, like most, like, no, because no, I get I mean, that a lot. Most guys who think they have a big, no, no they yeah, really yeah, don't. Yeah, no, They're lying about Yeah, no, I know. Like, like, and that's, like, I'm, I'm very practical about my penis. And I mean, it's efficient and I use it the way that I need to, right? Okay, that's my favorite phrase of the week. Yeah. I'm very practical about my penis. I am. Like, I understand that it's just, like, it's a, it's a part of my body and it's a function and it, it, it's the way that it should be I mean like if I was if I was you know 110 pounds I'd have a big penis like I literally Fair. would but like on my frame it looks it looks bad it does it does not fit so yeah <laughs> told you I was gonna talk about penis it's okay yeah it's here we go no but I like it because like the, like getting a male perspective like you said like it would hard, it would be hard for a male to come on this not hard but um you know the, the expectation that a male could come on this and I mean it is a part of humanity right and and it's something that I struggle well I'll go back to it's a piece of trauma for me okay. so when I was a kid I grew up in a Pentecostal church oh I am so sorry me don't, too don't even don't even touch your dick 
or like Jesus is gonna come fucking right. flog you, right? Just and you that, will die, yeah. and all your children will be cursed. Yes, and like yes. <laughs> like very just shameful for having these urges, and I can't stop it, right? Like I think about sex. People think about sex. That's, right, it's that's a very a, human yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a very human thing. We kind of polarize it when we say that only men think about sex. No, I know some pretty dirty women. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean that's social conditioning yeah. meant to yeah. to control women. Mm-hmm. We think about sex just as much mm-hmm. as you guys and do. And it's it's appropriate for you to think about sex, right? Because Absolutely. because again, our purpose, our sort of like like livelihood on this planet is to populate the world. You know, I don't necessarily your previous episode about polyamory, like I don't believe in necessary monogamy. I think we need people to fulfill roles in our life. Sometimes it's sexual, right? Sometimes you need somebody that you can just, you know, go and do things with. Right. Um, but sometimes you need somebody that, you know, fulfills that part of your brain and they don't have to be it's the same person. not always the same people. Yeah. That's my theory. I, yeah. I don't necessarily believe in polyamory as, yeah. you know, these identical relationships with mm-hmm. different people. No. I don't think that works. But I it, think the X always for everybody because yeah. everybody's different. Your needs are different. Yeah. And I feel like when you try to force people into those mm-hmm. roles, that's when you create tension that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. There's no reason for it. So if we break out of the expectation on what should be and what relationships should look like yeah we can be a lot happier because like you said those roles can be filled by different people and that's perfectly okay Mm -hmm. and in fact I feel like it's a more stable existence because then if you lose one of those people that's the only gap you need to fill Mm -hmm. (laughs) your entire existence didn't just cave in on you yep two things all right Uh, I have a friend her name is Jill Amos she's the uh, peer support director which is what I was in the I don't think I mentioned that earlier it's what it's the job that I did in the state hospital and in the the state uh, the crisis recovery unit and Mm -hmm. uh, I did it at the VA in an outpatient setting Uh, but she said stop shooting on yourself Yes, and I don't know if it's hers original but it's 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 wonderful just like we should on ourselves so much you should do this you should 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 and it it becomes you know hard Mm -hmm. to like you know like especially you know like for me I'm somebody who has a very critical perspective on myself shooting is a very bad bad thing and the second one I did a I did a little kind of group session or thing and what we did is we took a string and we we would one person held it and then they passed it to somebody we would throw a string at somebody and then they would say something encouraging and throw it at, at toward they would say like so like you have a wonderful voice and I would throw you the string and then you would look at somebody else and you would throw them uh you know and you would say something you know project a, a positivity onto their life and you just keep going and going and going and pretty soon you build this web right oh, okay. you build this web and this connection this support structure and then what the, the the leader they cut it and when they cut one of the strings the whole thing didn't fall right right like it wasn't it like everything was so interconnected and so entwined that it supported the broken string and that is what we need as people right we need many many connections of different like and varying connections right you like 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 that's why I don't believe in uh, in monogamy so much we need we don't need homogeny we don't need the same thing over and over again I think there and this is like I think there's a biblical verse where it says man cannot live on bread yeah I think it's bread um, bread and milk yeah bread and milk alone like the just this very bland diet does not fulfill you you know we as machines need protein and carbohydrates and all of these different chemicals in order to maintain our existence so yeah i like i look at these things and and i see it as as a web right and that's why i like building connections and that's why i'm pulling myself out of a dark depression and trying to build connections and for me that's going up to people and saying like hey i really 
appreciate you. Like, like just like the way that, you know, the way that you like, I, I love, I love singers. Like I love the way that they can project themselves through song and you can feel their emotions sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's like the way that you capture the audience and the way that you project yourself is incredible. And I love it. Right. Um, yeah. And, and just speaking affirmations into people's lives of, of positivity, uh, you know, goes back to my, you know, my introduction where I said, you know, I want to be a light, mm-hmm. right. I want to be a positive glowing entity so that hopefully others will feel that brilliance and that radiance. It's hard sometimes. It really is. It can take a lot out of you. Yeah. It and and like I'm real I I'm finding now like I uh I met a, a narcissist that kind of <laughs> took advantage of me, right? They, and as they do. And, yeah, and that's like that was well but it was like a lesson for me in that was you, right? That was you, Eric. You you were I have a friend, his name is Steve, uh recovering alcoholic. I shouldn't probably talk about that, but whatever. Uh, I think it helps bring about the story. But he said, Eric, we were taker. Uh, you know, when we were drinking, we were taking from from life and from existence from people. Now we need to be givers. And 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 again, that is you know going back to what I said. Like I want to be a giver. I want to give. I want to radiate and project positivity at times. Now I do get dark and I do talk about that. But the reason I talk about the darkness is to show you that there is light, right? Like I have to address the bad in order to highlight the good. And I think that's good because a lot of people feel very alone in their struggle. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been talking about this stuff openly for a few yep. years now, but I remember before that how very alone it, <laughs> you feel and uh, very isolated. Nobody understands this. And mm-hmm. I, I know I get feedback from that a lot. And that's part of what led to the podcast. That's so cool. Is... No, I like it. I know. I like, <laughs> I fell yeah. in love with your, your, your concept when you pitched it to me because, <laughs> because that's what I want to do is destigmatize. So um, viewers can't see I'm wearing a bracelet it's called it's hashtag no more shame it came from i think it's the treatment centers of america if i remember right uh the treatmentcenter.com but they had this promotion a couple years back that uh you know talked about destigmatizing talking about it being open and that was a kind of a push for me in in what i do that yeah that's why i worked with nami in the program in the so in the va i was it's really it was really like this weird like role where i was acting as not therapist but like supporter encourager I don't even know how to explain it but but like I would almost do therapy with people and one of the things that I like I would do is I would model it right like I would do the thing and there was a class that I developed called my story and what I wanted what what, kind of my my goal with that was getting the veterans open in in sharing their struggles right in whatever capacity if it's just talking with your family about it right or you know if it is becoming speakers and and actually like I was encouraging them like like if you guys can speak about it publicly, do it. Like find those opportunities because it is so fulfilling when somebody comes up to you and says, I struggle too. Right. Right. And that's like transparency. Um, I said it before we started, but like I want to live as transparent and as open as possible, as raw and as real as I can be. Because to me, hiding is lying and I can't lie. Like I cannot I cannot like like lying for me builds a world of broken pieces or like you know going back to the web analogy like lying to me cuts the middle right like okay. it'll break all those connections right because when you lie to somebody when you're not truthful to them and they learn about it or they you know they they, they feel it or they they think it mm-hmm. like it ruins a relationship mm. and i don't want to ever ruin another relationship i've 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 trashed enough of those already <laughs> in my life i'm good okay. yeah <laughs> not setting out to do that anymore no not at all not at all I don't want to hurt people I want to I want to make people I want to leave people better than I uh, than I found them that's my 
goal. I think that's a good goal. Yeah. Uh, into the story of kind of why I'm coming out of repression now, I was working at the VA. My ex and I were on the ropes. Like we were, you know, we were getting, well, like I had a breakdown and um, abandoned the relationship basically. I mean, both parties were involved and I, I like, but I take the blame a lot because that's what I do to myself. Um, but I, I, I couldn't handle in that relationship. She, she had like, like, like she didn't connect to me anymore because of what I had done. And I get it right. Like the compassionate side of me, like looks it back and I'm like, yeah, you were fucking terrible. Like, and there's a reason that she doesn't like you anymore. Right. right? It, it sucks because I want to try to rekindle or rebuild the, at least the friendship, but you know, it's not there and, and I don't know if it ever will be, but you know, I'm. I'm willing and that's you know like that's what my program tells me is that you have to kind of you have to clean up your side of the street not mm -hmm. theirs um, but uh, I I don't remember where I was going with the ex like I, I get I get very okay. yeah I get very momentary like and that's that's what I want I want to live my life as much as I can in a moment right and be be here because anxiety and depression like I kind of balance it like this anxiety is future depression is past right like we, we are either so concerned with what's going to happen or what did happen that we're mm. not here in the middle. Okay, Actually, it's an interesting way to Yeah, there's a, there's a little uh, uh, slogan, AAism uh, catchphrase that they say, if you have one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday, you're shitting on the present. <laughs> yeah, but it, it struck me so wonderfully. I was like, yeah, like, like if I'm not available, if I'm not in this moment, right? right? Like, like you're not getting a relationship out of it. You're not getting a connection out of it. You're not getting your side out of it, right? Because I am so focused somewhere else. And and my mind already does enough focusing on other things that I want to, <laughs> I want to be present. And yeah, right. that's, that's my whole goal is just to be in, in the moment, in that, in that energy. But yeah, like, okay. So the, the, the story is, is that, uh, divorced, uh, divorce was coming. Um, we like, we, we had just like had a rough patch, uh, and um, uh, actually, it, it, like, and this is part of the trauma is I, I left her on the tail of a miscarriage. Oh. Like the trail end of a miscarriage was kind of the the like because I had promised her kid a kid because I didn't really want kids and there's this whole long story and I like this could be like a six hour podcast <laughs> just me this is therapy right like it's you're fine. you're basically a therapist yes um uh, I left her on the tail end of a miscarriage which still haunts me to think mm -hmm. about like leaving her in that vulnerable right like hurt moment I mean she lost a child it it mm -hmm. was atrocious but it, it it sparked that I'm not happy in this relationship and I can't be in this relationship. And you know, I need, I need to go, I need to be somewhere else. And, um, I sought out emotional support through another person. Um, but I just, I had to go, I had to be gone. And there was that. And then that, that all pushed up into a culmination of like at the VA, like stress at work, like working in the federal system. Like we talked about being, you being in the state, like I can't do bureaucracy, bureaucracy. <laughs> it's I, a nightmare. I cannot have, no, like, like, like if you tell me we can't do something because that's the way that it is. I call bullshit. I'm like, no, we can change it. We like change is possible. Change happens. Right. It, 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 it's necessary. And yeah, like it, it frustrated me and I would take my work home and all of this other stuff. So I broke and I actually went into Griffin Memorial. Do you okay. know that? Yes. Yeah. I, know where I went into Griffin uh, for just a week, you know, just to kind of reset medications, reset my mind. But in there I met this girl and I cannot remember her name. 
but very sweet and 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 very very innocent but she dealt with schizophrenia and mm. a very severe like like she could not function mostly you know she had psychotic episodes all the time mm. even even the medication that they were giving her was not as effective as it could be it, mm. it helped a little bit but she would still like you know have these sort of moments and everybody not everybody but most people that live with schizophrenia deal with something right like right. even if the medication helped it doesn't help fully that's like you know like narcotics pain management doesn't completely get away with the you know calm the pain but it knocks it down to tolerable right. rates and that's what you know was hopeful for her but she didn't mm. she couldn't find it fast forward no, it, it had to be two years. I was driving down Penn and 36, and I look out the window and I see her, and she is she's tattered, no bra, yoga pants. There's a big old hole, um, and I stop and I was like, hey, like, do you remember me? We were in Griffin together, and she was like, yeah, I do. And I was like, I want to get you help. You look like you need help. What's going on? And I mean, she was in her, you know, kind of psychotic state right. and she couldn't trust me. She knew right. she knew me. Right. And that's like my grandma's going through Alzheimer's right now and she knows things. She she can she can cut, kind of connect with them, but they won't send or they won't reach. Right. Like my aunt just went to see my grandma and and my grandma recognized my cousin who's about my age. We're about the same age. But when my aunt went up to her and I was like, hey, mom, do you remember me? She's like, no. No. Yeah. But once, or no, once she kind of did connect, she said, Sheila, you grew up, mm. right? And that's like, like that's, it's crazy to me to think that some people live in sort of this like altered reality where right. she doesn't see my aunt Sheila now. She sees the little girl that she raised, right? right? And that's, I get it, right? And that's where the girl, I think her name was Allison. I'll just say Allison for ease. Um, that's where Allison was at is she knew she knew me. She knew she could trust me, but she couldn't, you know, right. probably couldn't a voice or whatever yeah. was going going on inside of her was saying no don't do it and like like I was like it was cold outside I mean she didn't have like 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 enough clothing and I was like like let me buy you a coffee right like let me do something let me help you and I did I did eventually call the police and try to like like you know help her that way but she she got spooked and ran off right, right. And, and just this like like just very like hurtful scenario where I care about this person because I've seen them in their worst and I've seen them in 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 their state and I want to get them out of it I want to help her it still hurts me right it's, mm -hmm. and, and that's like I live with a lot of trauma my my past haunts me at times but but through therapy through um just you know working on myself and, and writing and journaling and all that stuff which is the my story thing going back to the, the working in that and this is where this is where i pick up like once i get on a trail then i can kind of oh yeah we were talking about this oh yeah we were talking about this but the my story thing was uh you know a way to write your trauma right mm -hmm. like uh, my grandpa died when i was 16 and i never really got to like I, we were never expressive or mm -hmm. but i love my grandpa right and he was he was like the major male sort of role model in my life and so when I was in that class in my story I wrote a letter to him and it was very deep and very powerful right um, I had my kid at the time yeah and so like all of these things all of the like all of this hurt and trauma culminated in me just going into this deep dark depression for about a year like where I didn't I didn't really function I mean I would like take my son and and then we would sit and play video games I mean we still sit and play video games because he <laughs> right. likes it um, but you know, just like not taking care of myself, not showering, not doing the thing, not self care. Right. And the first spark was my old truck 
broke down and I needed money to repair it. Mm -hmm. I was living off of my disability from the Air Force and that was okay. That was, you know, it was was enough, but I needed to pay for the repairs in my truck. So I started, I signed up for school to go back to school on the GI Bill. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've just continued that now. And when I was going to school on the GI Bill, and this is kind of like, let's call it the success is hope and the dream. This is the good part, right? Like I talked about the bad to now highlight the good of where I am. I am now trying to build this photography business, this artistry that I have, this branding, rebranding of self. I mean, I I started a, a, a new Instagram page in September, I think it was, when I started it, around the same time that I started my blog. And so, like, the anniversary of all this stuff is coming up, my one year. And I've progressed a lot in a year, right? Like, uh, I, the first picture that I ever posted on my Instagram is a picture of me during a really bad time. Like, you could just see the pain in my eyes. I mean, like, you can still see the pain in my eyes, but I'm, I'm addressing it, right? right? I'm taking care of it. I'm not just pushing it down. <laughs> Push it down and yeah. hide it. Yeah, hide it. You know, conceal, don't feel, to quote uh, Rosen. No, well, it's back true. to Disney. Yeah, Disney. well, and that's, 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 oh, Disney's a part of my life, right? Like, I grew up on Disney, like, but like, like we talked about it, it, it's made a turn and culture's made a turn, I think. Like, to, to, to realize, you know, this existential I- ideal that life is temporary. We don't have much, you know. I mean, yes, we believe in an afterlife, but but I don't I don't think that our purpose, if there is an afterlife, is to wait for that, right? Like I don't I don't like this Puritan ideology of just you know struggle until we get to the next place. Like you know, once we get there, you know, heaven and all this stuff will open up for us. Um, I don't believe in that. I believe that you know, sort of a, a reincarnation karmic type of. You know, like you work hard and you struggle in this life, you know, you do get more better rewards in the beyond or whatever it is. But I don't know. There's no certainty. Have you ever seen the movie Black Snake Moan? Black Snake Moan. Black Snake Moan. Samuel L. Jackson and Christina Ricci. Watch it. It's amazing. I tell people when they try to figure me out to watch that movie. Okay. Because I'm like, you'll understand PTSD and borderline personality better than than you've ever wanted to. So... So thank you for like, so, so type or access to type of stuff is generally more stigmatized in the mental health community. So I appreciate you, you talking about borderline personality disorder because I have tendencies towards an access to diagnosis, very narcissistic, borderline dramatic at times. I, I have these, these qualities and I want to lessen them, I guess. So you know, like like when other people talk about it, and I know that the struggle is there because I work with people mm-hmm. who who I could see it in, and that was the cool thing about I guess for the like the therapy for me in working with people is I I get to see kind of where I was mm-hmm. and what you know like they get to see where they're going. Right. So it's this dual relationship that really like really is wonderful and and it's very helpful. And so no, I appreciate the podcast. Like I appreciate the way that you kind of do that and being open and being expressive because at times it's hard to talk about it is and I'm from a family you know very yeah I'm you know a preacher's kid and very very closed you know what happens here stays here we don't talk about it's in the family the only emotion that you're allowed to have is anger and I mean we weren't told that implicitly we were told that very yeah very clearly and verbally this is the only you did not cry or I'm gonna give you something to cry about yeah so So I try to be open and I purposefully have not told my family about this podcast because I don't want to have this conversation with them. Yeah. And when I had a blog, I had a blog for years that I I killed about a year ago or so, a year or two. 
and there you there was a disclaimer mm -hmm. on the blog that said if I know you in real life don't read any further but when you do against my request if I haven't talked to you about this don't bring it up because I don't want to talk to you about this yes yeah. no that's cool huh. um, yeah so I do try to be open about it I appreciate it. It. actually and so that's a boundary right so in the mm -hmm. mental health community we talk about boundaries and, and establishing boundaries is a huge part it's of so hard. recovery because if you weren't raised doing it it's mm -hmm. really hard <laughs> people don't tend to respect them no they don't I they guess, kind of push them yeah. and negotiate them and... well uh, as a comedian right like 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 <laughs> i like to push boundaries and i like to like i like to, to to see where the lines are and to see if i can encroach upon them but I also understand that there is there is real trauma that, that and there are real requirements for boundaries and you know I, I like if I do cross them mm -hmm. you know and 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 purposefully or unpurposefully like I am I'm almost repentant you know like okay. like we talked about like just like just like I don't want to hurt anybody right and and. It, and if I do, if that is the case, if that happens, I try my so going into kid stuff again. I have a six year old, right? Like, like, the, <laughs> like, the, like there's a lot of stuff. Do you have you you know Daniel Tiger? It's a kind of a spinoff of the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. I don't. Okay, so Mr. Rogers Neighborhood had the little puppets and stuff. Okay. Daniel Tiger is a drawing or a animated version of basically like like child Mr. Rogers form. Like he has a little okay. sweater vest that he takes off, right? And he's Daniel <laughs> Tiger. And anyways, um, they have a song and and it's talking about apologies and it's saying it's says, I'm saying I'm sorry is the first part. Then how can I help, right? Oh. And that sort of in AA. They call it, um, Is it the making amends. Amends, yeah, <laughs> like 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 just the you know the 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 recompense, the you know the bringing about reconciliation, and that that is a a huge part of recovery is 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 acknowledging that that you have caused harm and destruction but also seeing the harm and destructions that others have caused and how it's manifested in you right mm -hmm. because you mentioned not like like being emotionally intelligent let's say as a child right. well that's that translates into you know your modern day your 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 your, your adult life and Absolutely. and and this is why like you know the whole like men are bad women are bad no, we're, we're all, all bad. We're, no, well, we all have trauma. <laughs> yes, no, like, like life and is trying to hurt people. Yes. Oh, yes. There was a there was a author uh, that I where did I meet him? I met him in training for when I was doing CPR for becoming a peer at the state. And he said that and it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Right, The first time I ever heard that of hurt people do hurt things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and misery loves company, you know. That's that's kind of my my analogy of it is we, well, me, I tended to project my feelings or my state onto the world around me because it was easier, you know. It it, it was it was more it was better it was easier than dealing with it. Well, thank you for being willing to talk to Absolutely. do this. Right. And how can people um, find your art and keep up with what um, you do? It depends on what they want. Uh, like I have things everywhere. This is kind <laughs> of like like I. I do things everywhere. You follow me on Twitter, which yeah. is my comedy stuff. Uh, I smoke weed, and so like the the entirety of the the comedy or the the thing is like highly tweets. It's at highly tweets tweeting under the influence, and I get high and I just talk about weird shit or I tweet the, like it's where I keep all of my jokes for everything um like there's a lot of midget porn on there right now um like this the like because I'm fascinated by midget porn uh but if you want to follow photography side uh Instagram 
is at Eric J Gates. Like, I don't know if I showed you these. Yeah. Like I have my whole brand. Like I, I have lighters and pens. Uh, EricJGates.me will take you to uh, my blog. EricJGates.org will take you to my portfolio. So if you want me, if you want the transparent me, right? If you want the the open and you know sort of like like mental health side or whatever me, that's not me. Okay. If you want the the company, the business, the photography side, right? That's dot org. Jekyll and Hyde, we yeah. got here. Yeah, oh yeah, very, very <laughs> duality, right? Like exactly. I go back to duality. And then uh, Facebook, I don't care, like, 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 uh, you know, add me on Facebook, uh, message me. Uh, I like to talk with people and learn about people, experience them. Um, you know, because that's what life is, is it's, it's about learning and understanding. And, and for me, learning different perspectives, right? Like you bring something to me now that, that, that I had, I told you I had thought about it, contemplated a little bit, but there's a whole world that, that you do that is unknown to me. And mm -hmm. I am, you know, I'm supremely interested in every aspect of culture, right? Like, like I grew up in a very homogenous white <laughs> rural community, like any sort of anything is like fucking magic. So, um, yeah, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, I don't care. Like, like Snapchat is, I do a lot of like weird videos. Uh, oh, really? Actually, if you go on my Instagram and look at my stories, a lot of my like like highlighted stories are like some of my old jokes and things that I do. Uh, really just weird, obscure, <laughs> just random shit. But it entertains me and yeah. That's what makes me. life good. Yep. <laughs> you can contact the podcast at brokebrokenpodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found on Twitter at Broke Broken Show, on Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast.